I was just some guy in a suit that got sucked out of Air Force One in Iron Man 3. Iron Man had to come down and save myself and 10 or so other people. And uh, Godzilla, yeah, we were just, you know, jumping out of a plane to go fight Godzilla. All right, guys, welcome back. This is the Venture Mentality Podcast, as always, and I am your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us is Jeff Provenzano. He's essentially just a professional adrenaline junkie. Uh, he's a Red Bull athlete who makes his living skydiving, base jumping, and wingsuit flying, and uh, he's regarded as the best of the best, and he's actually performed in many blockbuster movies, movies including Godzilla and Iron Man 3. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks for having me here today. Of course, man. I love your energy, and I'm super excited to uh, to get into this one with you. Me too. Me too. Checked out your Instagram. Was like, yeah, definitely got to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. So, you know, just right off the bat, what I found super interesting was we look at your career now. You're in skydiving. You started in 1998. Um, you've helped set multiple world records. But what I want to know is, like, take me back to that first time when you went skydiving. Like, what was the motive behind that decision? You know, I was just young and just wanted to do every wild, crazy, dumb idea I could think of. And I really hadn't thought about it past that. Um, a couple friends of mine were, you know, brave enough to, to join me on my first skydive. And it was, it was just, it was just really casual. Um, I was in art school. I was going on, I was uh, in New York city, living in New York city, going to art school at the time and pretty much into art and skateboarding. And that was kind of like my life snowboarding too. I was spending a lot of time on the mountains whenever I could. So I was just always just looking for kind of like an extreme adventure, something to do. And well, we all ventured up state New York to, to go check this place out. And when we got there, I was quite surprised to kind of see this, this whole facility, people jumping, going up and down repetitively. I just thought it was something you do like once, check it off your bucket list. And, but yeah, I just thought it was like a bucket list thing. You know, I didn't think it was something you got good at or, you know, whatever continue doing for any length of time. But all that changed. My first, you know, my first impression of the skydiving center was like, wow, this is kind of a, a community. It's a thing in itself. And people are kind of going up and down in the airplane. It's almost like skiing and snowboarding, going up and down on a chairlift and descending down. It's kind of like, similar thing, similar kind of, you know, culture going on. Culture is probably a little closer to uh, the climbing culture, but, um, you know, already loved it. And then when I went on my first jump, to be honest, I was terrified of that moment <laughs> um, leading up to it. And even during the, the jump itself, I was, I was pretty scared, but something happened after that whole experience when I landed reflecting on it i was like oh my god that was the most incredible thing i've ever done i couldn't believe that all that space up there was like a playground and i never quite looked at air as you know this three-dimensional space that you could actually play in and move around in but you know it was just 
was just the stuff up there all the time, you know, something inaccessible, but something happened there. And I, you know, and the other side of it really was just like overcoming that fear and just doing something that terrified me so much. And, and I actually did it, you know, that sense of accomplishment that, wow, if I could do this, I can do anything kind of feeling happening there. And I, I just quickly knew that once my feet hit the ground, I was like, man, I need to, I need to do this again. Sorry, that was a really long answer for the first question, but it's kind of hard not to. No, man, it, it was great. And, you know, actually, so you were 18 the first time you jumped. Uh, I'm 19, and I uh, just did my first skydive about two weeks ago, and I went with a couple of my friends. And, you know, as I'm hearing you tell this story, like I had the same emotions, like I was terrified, and then there was that moment of bliss, and it was like, oh, man, this is awesome. And what I would like you to do, because I know you've got over like 20,000 jumps or something under your belt, so you've got a little bit more experience than I do. Can you try and describe for someone who's never been skydiving what the actual like what it's actually like to be flying through the sky and falling through the air like that? Well, I think the first thing you need to kind of detach is the idea of falling. Um, you really are disconnected from that sensation of falling. The the ground doesn't move up. You know, the, visually the ground doesn't even move at you at any. You can stare at the ground. It looks like it's like watching the grass grow. It barely moves towards you. So you just got to kind of get past that feeling of flying. And it's really just much like when you're driving your car and you're sticking your hand out the car window and you're just gently playing with the air and kind of flying your hand and your arm. It's kind of like that, but your whole body <laughs> just laying on a bed of air. Um, once obviously there's a lot of mental thing you're not just on a bed of air you are falling and there's a lot of other things going on and you're jumping out of an airplane which is your safety net that you know so there's a lot of mental things going on you shouldn't be doing this but if you if you take everything away once you get kind of past the fear part and a lot of those those um other sides of it and you just leave you just have the flying part of it it's it's wind and your body and it's everything you learned already just kind of doing this out the car window man i love that so we see you jump out that first time you walked us through that now take us you know down the evolution of where you are now because not everyone goes skydiving ultimately gets a career and becomes a red bull athlete and goes on to hold world records like you had the choice to just go back and live like more of a typical standard life and a typical career, but you ended up choosing this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I chose this. It also kind of chose me in a weird way. Um, you know, in the beginning, after I finished school, I, I decided I was going to take a year off and just go be like a skydive bum. Or if, if it had been winter, if I had graduated in October, I might've landed at a ski mountain and just been a ski bum since it was, skydive season right after graduation i was like you know what i'm gonna go to arizona because i knew the largest skydiving center in the world was out there and I, I was like let me go there that's where i need to be just in the heart of it and i'll just do this for like a year and it just kind of got it just kept those year it turned into two turned into three never did i think within that first decade even did I really think like, Hey, what are you going to be doing when you're 35, 40? You know, I was, I was like my, my, I, I can only see like a few weeks out 
partly because I was, I was living like that. I was living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, kind of, you know, just Tarzan swinging, barely making it to the next paycheck sometimes. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's just that, that, that lifestyle kind of almost forced me into like not really have a, a future, future goal, you know, a five-year or a 10-year goal. All my goals were very short-term um, day to three day goals. Like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta work tomorrow. I gotta jump tomorrow. I gotta do something. I gotta pack a parachute, make, you know, $5 on the packing mat, whatever it is. Um, so it, it was, it was an evolution and part of it is kind of, you know, timing. I was at the right time, the right age. I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have any debt. I didn't have, I didn't have any money, but I, I didn't also didn't have any debt to, to worry about. And, you know, I had my health and I, I had time. I had all the time in the world, 18, 19. Well, by the time I graduated college, I'm 21 still. I got all the time in the world. And so there wasn't much to worry about. And, you know, part of it is also almost kind of, you know, it was just the right time and, and kind of like lucky in the events of this, the sport even, you know, the sport started growing and evolving and changing. And so did uh, technology and the internet and social media, you know, kind of was born and all of that, which fueled all these other, it didn't fuel, but it, it created these other possibilities along the way, which 15 years ago, I couldn't have told you I wanted to be, you know, a Red Bull guy, like working on projects and, you know, basically like a content creator through my sport. I didn't know what a content creator was 15 years ago. So a lot of this is just the evolution of it. It was just slow, slow, one step, another step, another step. And I, and I, one thing I did commit to was when I started skydiving at 18 um, and I decided to take the next step, I, I looked at all the hobbies I had done up until that point in my life. And, you know, as a kid, like learning instruments and other sports, et cetera, et cetera, art, everything was very short lived, you know? And, and I always like was pretty natural at most things, especially athletically. Like I didn't have to practice or train much, pick things up pretty quickly. So I kind of like got that initial burst. And then, you know, when I had to actually get grinding, you know, and I was stagnant and to get to that next level, I need to push it. To, I would get kind of bored in that stage and like fizzle out or just ride it and just stay comfortable right there. And I never just, so skydiving, I did tell myself, I'm like, oh, here you go again. You know, you're going to start another hobby. <laughs> um, and I just promised myself like, hey, you know what? Like I recognized those plateaus and those like speed bumps that I was, I was encountering. And I just told myself like, listen, you hit that, just keep pushing, push through. Not, not thinking like professionally, but just like commit to this. Don't just quit. Don't get bored. Don't get lazy. And when it flattens out, find another direction to go in, like switch it up, stir it up, whatever you got to do. Just try to get that curve going back up in that direction. I love that mindset. I think that, you know, myself, even that's something that I struggled with a lot before um, the podcasting business now was I would always get so hooked on, you know, different businesses or different hobbies for such, for such short periods of time and then hit that first road bump and I'd stop. And then ultimately it comes down to realizing, like you're saying, like, you just have to make that promise to yourself. You're going to find a way to get through it. Yeah. Especially if you're not, I was, I, I'm not, I wasn't patient. I'm probably more patient now, but I definitely wasn't patient then. And if you don't have patience, then you need, 
you know, you need commitment because I mean, you can get, if you're not patient, but you're still committed, you will get there. <laughs> but uh, right, work on patience. That, that helps. <laughs> yeah. So how did you make this jump then from amateur just for fun to all of a sudden professional? Uh, it kind of started in the competition world for me. Um, I was getting to a level in the sport that I needed to challenge myself more and more. Uh, with flying and, and the types of flying I was doing. So I, I, I hopped on a few competition circuits and just started traveling the world competing. And, you know, just like not many people know, but yeah, there's a whole world of competitions in the sport of skydiving. Lots of disciplines, just like there are in skiing, per se. You have, you know, downhill and freestyle and all. Just same thing in skydiving. You have a lot of different ways you can play, um, games you can play and, um, you know, you also have two sides of it. You have free fall and you have parachute. So there's combination of, of sports too. And now with wingsuits, you kind of, there's a lot of different ways. And even just, you take one of those and you could like play 20 different ways. So there's a lot of sports that, and, and or a lot of competitions. And, um, and that's kind of, kind of what I needed was, uh, was that challenge. And that got me off of the, you know, just like, packing parachutes and videoing tandems and stuff for work. I started shifting to like, well, let me find some sponsors and, you know, maybe uh, somebody will help me get to these competitions. Sure enough, I, I started competing for one of the, uh, I was on a factory team for one of the parachute manufacturers and they were like, Hey, go to all the parachute swooping competitions and uh, we'll, you know, we'll sponsor you. <laughs> so that's kind of that was kind of that was kind of this 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 switch into like whoa oh okay like pro athlete direction as opposed to you know just this having fun weekend skydiver even though I was more I was a twenty four seven skydiver but I was you know just beginning and learning and you kind of have to go through that to get to that other level too I mean you're not even if I wanted to be a pro athlete I think day one I needed to build up uh, you know a thousand jumps under my belt to start getting the skills and um, understanding of what, you know, what, what, what discipline I would want to compete in and, and then to, to have the, the experience to, to then, then start competing. So. Man, that's so cool. And, and I know that one of the things that you're um, often looked up for is swooping. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening don't know what that is. Could you break that down for them? Swooping is basically, high performance parachute landings. So when you think of a parachute, you're probably thinking of like, you know, old World War II D-Day footage of these rounds kind of sinking in. Or maybe you saw, you know, someone landing a giant square parachute coming in nice and slow. Swooping is basically the Ferrari version of that. There are these small canopies that are sometimes, you know, a quarter of the size of an average parachute and they come dropping out of the sky really fast. And you can put them in the dives and you can make them drop even faster. You can make them drop out of the sky super fast, put them in the dives. And with that dive and all that speed, you can plane out, transition that speed horizontally. And that transition, when you transition all that speed horizontally, that's the swoop. That's kind of like the swoop where we now can, fly horizontal even go up a little bit but you can fly horizontally with your parachute for three four five hundred feet across the ground 
And how, how the fast thing are you going? Truth is you start out really fast, and by the very end of that horizontal swoop, you're just you're basically decelerating the entire time. So at the end of the swoop, when the parachute has no more power, you're basically at like a walking running speed. So you can just kind of walk it out or, or run it out, depending on the wind. At your fastest, how fast are you going when you're doing that? Um, you're probably around like uh, average 75 miles an hour. You know, you start adding weight, you can go a little faster. That's, that's so cool. And so you got into swooping and you kind of made a name for yourself. And then did the Red Bull sponsorship come across or when did that happen? So I, I kind of, um, I really kind of grew with Red Bull uh, as a company. I was in Lake Tahoe around uh, 2000, 99, 2000. And there were some Red Bull athletes in Lake Tahoe at the time. It was very small, still a uh, company in America. They just you know, only been in America, in the U S for a few years. And they had only been sponsoring a couple guys, um, skiers, uh, Shane McConkey, and he was skydiving at Lake Tahoe. And he kind of just like introduced the world of Red Bull to us. Skydive Lake Tahoe was his home drop zone. It's my home drop zone. It was a very small drop zone owned by two of the, you know, at the time, the best skydivers, um, most, you know, cutting edge, they were ripping. It was the place to be, but it was a very small community there. And yeah, we kind of got introduced to the world of Red Bull, you know, when, when Shane would come to the drop zone and bring people out from Red Bull, they would, you know, he'd take them, we'd take them on tandems and stuff like that. So kind of grew with the company. I remember when they had like one um, sports marketing director. <laughs> that was it. Like, <laughs> It was like thousands of people that worked there, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was small and, you know, I kind of grew with them. And then also like that technology I was talking to you about too, like, you know, the, it, was, it was just all of a sudden it became like, it became about content. It wasn't about competitions as much anymore, you know, unless, unless we were videoing the competition and that was content, but you know, it was more about like, Hey, we like, let's get cool footage, you know? Do you enjoy that side more than the competition or do you sometimes wish you go back to just the competition? Uh, I enjoy both. You know, I do have a competitive edge in me still. Um, and, and I feel that competition gets you cause everything I do, I think anything at any high level, it's really like, everyone's like, Oh my God, you're so, you know, you're so good. And, and really it's like, man, we're just anybody, at a high level of anything, I think all they do really do is they do the basics really, 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 really well. Right. <laughs> and it's just swooping at my level. It's just all little nuances. It's just how, how, how like focused you are on these little things, you know, and how, like, how, like, can I make this go in my head? Can I slow things down and be kind of in the matrix and kind of be in slow motion? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. And it's definitely a testament to like how experienced you are because, you know, everyone's sitting here, myself included, we're thinking you just jumped out of a plane, man. And, and you're talking about being focused on the micro details of like you're flying. And it's like, we're thinking you're going 75 miles an hour. Like we'd be happy just to land on the ground halfway. Okay. But you're sitting there trying to slow things down, make sure your form's correct. Make sure that you're hitting all the little dots. You know, it's easier for me to actually slow things down in the sky as it is to just I actually just finished meditating uh, shortly before this, before we hopped on the call. And that's, that's more challenging 
for me is uh, just slowing my brain down on the couch. <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to slow it down sometimes in the air, you know? That is crazy. Jeez. <laughs> um, so now one of the things I want to hit on is you are a part of a couple world records. First of all, how does that feel to know that you're a world record holder and then what are they? Um, they were the world records I participated in were free fall formation world records head down. So everybody's upside down flying on their heads. I think the last one I participated in was a 164 person formation. Um, I have, I, I didn't go to the last re world record attempt. And I honestly, I, I feel bad even saying, I do not know if, um, if they reached, if they made a new one or not. So I don't, I don't know if I'm a current world record holder. I might be. I'm not sure though. They might've broken the world record last year. I did not attend. I had a, a conflict or I was off doing some other thing, <laughs> but. How many planes did it take to drop 164 people? Uh, 164, let's see, at least seven. Wow. Because yeah, they fit about 20, uh, eight. Let's go eight. Let's bump that up to eight. I'd say about eight aircraft it took. So they fly, yeah, they all take off like one after another. It's just watching that is actually really cool. The whole um, coordination of, of the aircraft is pretty impressive. But yeah, then they just set up on this long jump run and all the aircraft are just like in firm weight formation, just like a bunch of geese and the lead, the lead plane, it's all on them. They're kind of like the green light and they're like ready, set, go. And they start pouring out. Everybody starts pouring out of all the planes and it's a very, um, it's a very, precise roadmap that people fly and follow to get to their positions. So it builds from the center point and it builds outward. How do you even train for something like that? Because I feel like the margin for error with 164 bodies, like all in close proximity, I feel like it's gotta be tiny. Yeah. Most of those skills you develop just on in small group jumps, you know, you develop a lot of those skills in, you know, even just like a two way, um, just diving down, stopping, and you know, flying relative to something and then gripping. And then, you know, you start to build build the group size a little bit just to kind of get used to the organization of of you know um other other parts of it. So and then um yeah, but there is there's a big jump, you know, you're because it's not like any given day you're out there uh doing even fifty ways, right? You know, you're probably more more likely you're gonna go from, you know, doing small jumps, acquiring the basic skills, then to the point where you're able to do, you know, 10, 12, 15 way, which is probably like a, on any given Saturday, that's probably the biggest formation you're going to find at a skydiving center. And uh, you do a bunch of those, and then you go to a few camps for the record where the, at these camps, then you might have the opportunity to do some 50 or 60 ways. But then there's a big jump. It's like, that's it. Now you kind of have the skills and understanding. Now it's like, all right, now we're just going to do, you're going to go to the world record and now you're just bumping it up, add another hundred people onto it. It's a lot of it is really just in the planning of it at that stage and, and doing a lot of um, walking it out on the ground, rehearsing on the ground for the whole group. So. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense, man. And, and as we start to kind of wrap things up here, I want to hit on one more topic real quick. Uh, Godzilla and Iron Man 3, what was your role in that? Uh, I was just uh, some 
guy in a suit that got sucked out of Air Force One in Iron Man 3. Iron Man had to come down and save myself and 10 or so other people. And uh, Godzilla, yeah, we were just, you know, jumping out of a plane to go fight Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So I, I know there's a lot of CGI in the movies, but you said that you jumped out of a plane. Are, in these movies, are people actually jumping out of planes and then like, I don't know, like the superhero, like saving them or what aspect goes to CGI and what's actually reality? So Iron Man was almost entirely real. Uh, you know, there's some parts that weren't like, Air Force One was CGI. We were jumping out of a smaller airplane. They made it look like we were jumping out of Air Force One. Um, a lot, most of the shots of, of us falling and flying and gripping, all those close-up shots were very real. Nothing there was CGI. Iron Man himself uh, was kind of like a, the scatter Andy, one of my teammates, was just wearing a suit with like dots all over it. It was like a regular jumpsuit, like a regular flight. He didn't look like Iron Man at all. Um, he just looked like skydiver <laughs> and had dots all over him. And then in, they, you know, they make him look like Iron Man. But all the free fall parts, whereas Iron Man is saving everybody, that's very real. And then at the bottom end where it looks like, you know, we, he, he saves us and swoops down by the water. You know, I, we opened parachutes. And, you know, that was cut. And then we did another section of that on, on long line, on uh, zip lines, basically, where they were dropping us in the water. So we had this, like, 300-foot zip line with, like, 15 of us getting hoisted to the top. And then they would send us. And then as we got close down to the water, they would just let go. Each of us would drop into the water one by one by one. So that kind of – if you watch the whole scene, you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about. But that part was zip lines. Very, very little CGI. You know, I think, the, you know, the, the good movies, the ones that I watch and I'm like, that was a cool skydiving scene are the ones that, that of course, they're going to use some CGI. But it's the ones that actually go out and get some humans in free fall as like the main part of the and then adding CGI around that. So then your eye sees something real. Then when Air Force One is blowing up in the background, it looks more believable. Because the person right in front of that camera is like a real human in real free fall. <laughs> so it's just more believable. So obviously like it looks really cool and they make it turn out very well. But to me, that just sounds like more fun than anything. Like getting to go on a 300 foot zip line and then falling into the water. Like, honestly, I'd do that for a vacation. That was so fun. We normally don't get to, you know, they would have probably given that roll up to another stunt guy typically because we're you know more like stunt specialists in the sky but uh the, the the stunt coordinator said like hey guys like you know it'd be really cool if you did this entire scene like if it was you guys from the door to the floor um would you guys be down to do zip lines and we're like yeah <laughs> let's do that that sounds awesome so yeah that was a really cool experience got a little bit of a taste you know what it would be like to to be like a, a real hollywood not that we're not real hollywood stuntmen because we, we are, but, you know, stuntmen that do other, other types of stunts, not just free fall, skydiving stunt. And what an experience. So as we wrap it up, we've got two quick questions. The first one is, where can we find you online if you want to check you out? You can check me out. I mean, I have a, a website, jeffprovenzano.com, kind of has all the links on there. Um, or you can just, you know, my name on Instagram, my name on Facebook, Jeff Provenzano. Sweet. You can also check out Red Bull Air Force, where you can find me on there. 
and you'll find seven of my other awesome and crazy teammates that I've been traveling around the world with and doing cool, fun adventures. So I will, yep. I'll link those so you guys can check them out. And then one last question, but first a little bit of background for you and super excited to hear your answer to this one. Um, but when you die, the only thing that matters, the difference that you made and the impact that you had. So that being said, what difference or what impact are you looking to make? Man, I hope I just inspire some people along the way, you know, and I think just, you know, the impact I want to make is more on a, a personal level, maybe not on the masses, but you know, I, I definitely, it's, it's that one dude I meet and I have a conversation with and, and have, have five minutes to talk, talk about it and, you know, hopefully inspire people to kind of, you know, not be afraid to go, to go give it a shot. It might not be skydiving, but you know, just get out there. Don't, don't be so afraid to just do it. You know, just take little steps, take little steps. And, and it's usually a lot less scary when you just take one step at a time.